Welcome back to the Expressions Podcast, everybody. I'm very happy this week to welcome our guest, Mark House. Um, in wrestling, he's been one of the guys that I have watched for a while, and he disappeared for a while, and now he's back, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into how his creativity is so unique and what he does is so different from a lot of people, uh, because I think that's true, uh, whether he does or not, <laughs> but we're going to find that out, and uh, it's going to be a great conversation. So, Mark House... We're going to call him House tonight. We're going to call the other Mark. The other Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the other Mark. Just so we don't mess up. And, of course, we've got Sean back with us tonight. Um, before we get to talking to House, we're going to go talk to Sean and the other Mark for a quick second and just say <laughs> hi. Because it's been a while, and uh, I miss you guys. So, Sean, I know you've been busy. You're doing all kinds of stuff. What are you up to? Yeah, dude, I've been like hella busy. Um, I've just been, you know, working on the car. Um, a buddy of mine comes back. Uh, he works two weeks on, two weeks off because he's a he's a paramedic of some sort. He works out in I think Mark's area. I'm pretty sure he's flying planes and doing God knows what. So uh, I had a whole weekend where we just like hung out and we just did a bunch of car stuff. Took some photos, met up with some other people. So it's uh, it's been a busy busy weekend recently, and then I have a huge huge list of shit to do this week so it's uh it's piling up and being you know a single dude and you know running around this much is a lot and also sushi great thank you Rob. <laughs> just got my my dinner delivered love that. thank you <laughs> hi robin by the way <laughs> robin was another guest on our show one time oh, just think of that we had robin on <laughs> yeah i was just gonna say we had robin on too i think right yeah so in between conversations, uh, Sean will be on mute as he slurps down his sushi. Yes, I have my my mouse already on the mute button, ready to just chow <laughs> down, dude. I haven't eaten a goddamn thing all day, and I apologize in advance for not talking. Don't apologize. You enjoy it. Enjoy it for all it's worth. Awesome. And the other Mark, how you doing, man? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Uh, home from BC. Uh, the last show we recorded right. was in BC, and I think it was after. Yeah, it was after I shot the wedding. Um, so that was fun. So I'm, uh, um, the rest of the week sort of solidified. <laughs> Sean, he's enjoying that sushi, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, solidified why I'm now a retired wedding photographer because I fucking hurt. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I am too old to be a, I was at the chiropractor today and he's like, dude, you're messed up. I'm like, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, so fifth, almost 52 now and trying to keep up with a bunch of 20 somethings at a wedding, uh, yeah not not a yeah of, yet not another reason not to shoot weddings so, so but yeah it was fun and i mean as i said last week that the scenery was epic but i think after we talked uh last week I, I had rented a car and we did like a lot of touring around the the uh, columbia river area where the columbia valley area of, of bc where we were we were up in a band from lake louise uh, we didn't stop at lake louise because you, you can't there's nowhere to start there's nowhere to park a car any time during the summer in Lake Louise, you just have to keep driving. So, Jeez. yeah. So, but it was it was gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful, and uh, the travel back was completely uneventful. Uh, out of six different flights to get from Thunder Bay to BC and back, uh, we picked up only ten minutes in delays on the last flight, and that was it. So mm. everything else was completely awesome. Yeah. Well, I wanted to play some taps for you, little little sad music oh, for nice. for the loss of our our our. I guess our guest host that we didn't really yeah, know he we was, had. Yeah, he was the the unknown host. The yeah. unknown host. So maybe maybe you can tell tell the world what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, um, anybody who's watched the the podcast has known that uh, right here there's a fish tank, 
and it's been there in every episode. And this is the first episode that there's only water in it because um, my fish Mick, when I came back, he was floating up at the top with excess fries, and that was it. So my uh, my four dollar tetra, I had to flush them and whistle taps, and it was good. So Mick, you will be you will be remembered. And uh, no, there's you know. video evidence that Mick existed. So yeah, yeah, you'll see the little thing dark. Now you just see the bubbles going up there. No Mick. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Lord, I should probably sorry. elaborate though. He was one of four. It was all the members of Motley Crue, but Vince, Tommy, and Nikki had, had since passed on, and it was just Mick. And every time I tried to introduce somebody else, he just killed them. So <laughs> Nick was always the aggressive one. He was the aggressive. He was a very. He was a. I. He was a right nasty fish. That, <laughs> that Mick. He was just nasty. Well, I tell you, I do uh, relate to how you felt about the the aches and pains. I mean, I've been shooting a lot of wrestling lately, and you know. I am 52 and you know, that is, uh, yeah. Getting up and down the knees are feeling it, man. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know how house is able to handle. I mean, you're not close to my age yet. That's, that's 30, a good thing. 37 going to be 38 next month. Yeah. There you go. But in wrestling, you know, I'm, it, it takes I'm, its toll. I'm at 21 years. Well, you should be happy. You should minus six years from that because. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so 16 years active, 21 years since I started. So okay. I'll take that. Cause now I'm feeling good. Yeah, that's great. Now let's talk about that. So we'll start off the conversation with the wrestling because that is the most sure. you know prominent thing that that I know you from at least. Um, so how did you get into it? How did that all start for you? Uh, it started later than most. Most people will start at like you see hear their stories. I saw it when I was a little kid, and then I loved it, and I grew. Up. I started at thirteen. My parents were like, "You're never watching that because you'll end up doing it." And so they ended up holding it from me and holding it from me. And then my thirteenth birthday, like three o'clock in the morning, ECW was on, and I stayed up all night with my friends and watched it. And it was just some random ECW show, and I was hooked. And my parents were like, "Oh God!" And I got into backyard wrestling, and then was the kid who wore the t-shirts every day, watched every pay-per-view, watched everything and just would eat, sleep, breathe it. And then when I got to be of age, when I was about to go to college, actually, we, my backyard friends and I, we went to uh, some random ring with this guy named Tiger Smith and Johnny Swift, who are just awful. Um, and they basically took money from kids that didn't know what they were doing and quote unquote oh, trained them for 20 minutes while we, uh, then gave us a ring to use and it was a boxing ring in the back of a dance studio it was horrible but uh from there they're like oh we, we think you got some chops and they let me and they brought me over to this place called rcw and that's where uh, i had a tryout and then i got in and the rest is history for that i mean ask away with whatever part of the history you want but that's kind of where i started was this little samurai dojo it's the same place that uh brody started it <laughs> Really? Or one of the places, yeah. So if you watch his little documentary from WWE, uh, RCW was the place he was talking about, the Samurai Martial Arts. Okay. That's, that's where I wrestled. Right on. And how long were you there? A couple of years. I mean, I wasn't around long. I bounced around. It was unfortunately one of those situations where I was really good at selling tickets. So out of 75 people, I sold like 30, 35 tickets, thought I was a star bounced around to a bunch of places uh, locally and just people had a bad taste in their mouth for me because I was pretty arrogant and thought I was the greatest thing ever. And I was God awful. So I bounced around from between RCW, this place called NEW and I did U, what's UPW was NWA upstate at the time with Mike Rosario. Um, those three within like the first 
five or six years of my career, really just kind of floundering, doing nothing. And then I remember the the break for me was there was a place called Pier Six Wrestling. They needed trainers because the people they had weren't working out and they were going to shut their doors. And I faked it till I made it and said, I'll do it. I know how to train, having no clue what I was doing. So I called up at the time, Colin Delaney had just finished his stint with WWE. He didn't really have anywhere that he was training or doing anything. So I recruited him as the face of Pier Six Wrestling training. And then I kind of tried to do the, the, the legwork behind the scenes so he didn't have to. And at that point, I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I got to take it seriously. And so then I started studying tape, picking brains, driving hundreds of miles a weekend. I spent, God, I, I, I went back, Brian, and, and like the past year or two and probably and did the math with the amount of seminars I did. I probably got five to ten grand in seminars, just traveling everywhere and doing every seminar and getting trained by seminars and by picking people's brains because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to take people's money. I'm not going to steal from them. I'm going to do this the right way, and I'm going to learn how to do it. So I went out and hustled and busted my butt everywhere to be able to learn to give to these kids because well, I didn't want to steal from them. That, that's awesome that you did it because uh, there's a lot of that, as you have ran across when you first so started. Many right? Yeah, and – I, I know for a fact that one of the things I like the most about pro wrestling, and as you can see, I am not a pro wrestler, just make it clear. Um, and I have to say that because I have so much respect for what you guys do. Uh, I would never profess to be that guy. You know what I mean? Anyway, long story short, um, just seeing what you guys do, the work ethic and the, the anything from showing up at the arena or wherever you're wrestling and shaking hands with everybody and saying hi to everybody, making everyone feel welcome whether you're a fan, whether you're helping up behind the scenes. Um, this is like a code in wrestling, I find. and Maybe I find maybe it is a code in a lot of cases, the handshake and things like that. So the respect is always there. Um, but when you're going from place to place to place, you have to make enemies, especially when you say, as you do, you had a bit of an arrogance to yourself and you had uh, you know, some bravado. Did you ever find it hard to gel with the 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 locker room, so to speak? Because I know locker room is a big part in any organization. Not, not really. I mean, to be very honest with you with that is that if there was locker rooms that didn't like me, they just didn't book me. And if there was people in the locker rooms, they just wouldn't talk to me and I wouldn't know they had an issue. I mean, really, pro wrestling is like a drama camp sometimes. You, you find out through the grapevine through 17 other people that somebody's got a problem with you because you wore a green shirt or said brother in a, the wrong tone like i you don't really get people to confront you too much there's a there's a couple that do which is great and i appreciate that but most people will keep it to themselves and talk to their circles and their talk, circles talk to their circles and then you find out six months later that someone hates you because of something you had no idea and you thought you were friends and yeah you get that all the time but for me it was one of those things where uh i probably had a bunch of people who didn't like me i found out when i retired for the six years that a lot of people had an issue with me but no one wanted to say anything or they just create or like said they had a problem with me and really didn't just to be able to use my name for whatever reason but when i came back i kind of just got in the locker rooms and did everything i could to help people and tried to be as stay back humble not about me it's about everybody else type situation but no enemies i mean maybe a handful of people that had issues with me but i talked to him, confronted it, and figured it out. When I first met you, obviously it was in Barry Wrestling. 
you came there for a while and the crowd freaking loved you. Right. I mean, you come to the ring, whose house Mark's house, the whole crowd would go nuts. <laughs> it, and then you came back and the pop was awesome. I loved seeing you. Like come it wasn't even skip a beat. Nope, not at all. And it was so many more people and it was just great to, to have you back. But, um, being gone for such a long time, first off, why, why did you have to stop wrestling? Why did you have to retire? So multiple things. First, it was, uh, I had been going, I'm not kidding you when I say this, and I've talked to you about this, Brian, I was doing, so my average week, I was working a 40 hour week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'd work an eight hour day. Then I'd get in the car and I'd eat dinner while I'm driving to training. And then I would go from training from like six o'clock at night to like 10, 11 o'clock at night. Then I would leave there. And then I would go to a private gym with uh, a trainer that would help me out till about 12, one in the morning, flipping tires and doing all this crazy stuff. Like here's a weight vest, do a hundred pull-ups until you pull up and die. Like crazy stuff. And then uh, would get home and it'd be like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. Then I'd finally eat like my last meal. And sometimes I would try to get podcasts in there or send out merchandise and stuff. So I was sleeping from like two o'clock to like six and I was doing this four days a week. And then on the fifth day I'd work eight hours or take a half a day and I would drive somewhere and I'd wrestle legitimately every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Most of the time it was me driving alone because people didn't want to put in the time like me that I was around at the time. So I was doing minimum 500 miles a weekend. Most of the time I drive from Sunday from like New York city through the night to get back home, to drive right to work and do it all over again. I did this for years and I was burnt out. I was hurt. I didn't recover. Um, so what ended up happening was I got hurt in 2015. Blew up, I blew up my knee. I ended up uh, actually blowing it out, and I wrestled one of the PWE shows. I don't know if you were there for PWE before it turned into Barry. Yes, I was. But I came in. My first match that I wrestled there, um, I actually had my ACL was blown out. You would have never known. But I ended up uh, was in a practice match with a guy named Maddox, and I locked up, and we turned, and my leg stayed forward, and my whole body turned around backwards, popped my knee, Tore the ACL, MCL, PCL, meniscus. I had like the LCL holding my whole leg together. Oh my god! I wrestled, wrestled, and went to the gym for like six months on it, and then finally in New York City one night went for a leapfrog, came down, popped the knee, came home. Next day they're like, "Yeah, you have to have surgery. There's nothing really holding yourself together." But Jesus. Um, even then, like I had surgery, and I've never had surgery before in my life. And uh, as soon as I woke up, I tried to hop out of bed, and they're like. And I, I can tell you that it was about 10 days later, I was back on the road. I had, I brought, I literally went to shows and became commentator, announcer, did, that's where I started the house calls because I had to do something. So literally I gave myself a 10 day window of a break. And then I was back to it, going to therapy five days a week. Uh, even on my time off from work, I was still hustling for sponsorships, trying to keep with shows, I kept the full schedule. I was doing still 12, 13 shows a month. Just so with wow. people. Going through all that, somebody listening to this might say, why? Like what's what's the end game for that that kind of hustle? Uh at the end of the day, it was one of those situations where I wanted to make it to the top. And I it's one of those things where pro wrestling is like 
playing in sports, like playing, like doing movies and whatnot, out of sight, out of mind. You're not seen, you're gone. And especially in this day and age where people have the attention span of a goldfish, you're gone for more than a day. You're out. Like, oh, did, did, like the memes and all that stuff. Memes are in and out within a week. And you're like, oh, remember that meme from six months ago? That's like seven years ago and like normal people time. But for everybody else in the TikTok nation, it's like a okay. week ago. You're like, oh, it's gone. See ya. Was that again? However, personality sells. And I, I remember Sweet Brown. I'll remember Sweet Brown till the day I die. There you there's go. There's some memes that will stick out in your mind, and there's some wrestlers that will create an impact, right? And, uh, you know, you say you sold more tickets. Is that because you were going out selling tickets, or is that because your personality in the ring was getting people to register or uh, book tickets? Because I know in, in Barry, if Mark House will be there, especially our, our loyal fans that remember you from the day, they will read, they'll buy tickets for you. Um, I think a lot of it was, I think a lot of it is that I treated, I tried to treat everybody like my friend because I truly cared about everybody. It wasn't about being a superstar. It wasn't about, uh, making money for the longest time. It was really just about being friends. Like, I mean, you see it, Brian, I legitimately have friends that are in the fan that are fans just because uh-huh. they didn't choose to wrestle, but I give everybody the time of day. I mean, it got to the point where you saw the hall of fame. I broke down and almost lost it because I hugged Ryan Schmidt and yep. I, I was kept just trying to find him. that photo. Yeah. And Ryan sucks. I literally, you can, you see me, my head's buried in his shoulder and I'm losing it because I'm emotional. The fact that I haven't seen him for seven years, I, I could give two craps about wrestling. It was just being able to have that chance of seeing him again as a person. And yeah. I think what it was for me is that people see that in me. They, they don't see just, Oh, he's a, he's a wrestling guy that I can't talk to. I am who I am. I'm no different in the ring than I am in person. When I go out after a match, if I'm a bad guy, I still go out and give high fives and hugs and, and, and people talk to me all the time. I leave my social media open. So everybody, it doesn't matter. Yep. House party. I just posted that one recently. Yeah. But uh, where's the other one? Yeah. Literally. I, as soon as I hugged him, I was losing it right there. And I was, I was like, Hold on for a minute. Hold on for a minute. And I was trying to compose myself because I didn't want to get back in the ring and be like, oh, look, that guy's crying. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> but like, that was it for yeah. me. And I think it's one of those things is that we're all people. And just because I do it in the ring and you're watching doesn't make me any more important. And I feel like some people lose sight of that. Because like I said, like a social media fans, people that watch me that appreciate my work, my social media is open. People contact me all the time and I will talk to them and I've become lifelong friends with fans because they're just good people. I could care less about the idea of me being a wrestler versus I'm being a fan. We're all people and they do something that I don't and I just choose to entertain and, and try to do the best thing I can do for them. That's and really all it, it is. You get it though, because that's what wrestling is. That's what it should be. Wrestling yeah. the, without the fans. I mean, when there were no fans, yeah, like it, it was a different kind of wrestling altogether, I and mean, it was wrestling just to get through it, right? Well, but now that there are fans again, and it, that's what it's all about, and that's why even me as a photographer, that's I focus on what's going on behind me as much as I do with what's in front of me, because and I try, yeah, and I try really hard. I mean, you see it. I try really hard to give every fan my undivided attention. It's not mm-hmm. like you you go places where there's celebrities, and they'll shake hands, and you know they don't care as much they're just kind of there to shake hands because they know someone's going to buy a ticket or merchandise or something i will walk up to every single person i'll ask how they're doing i remember things about them because i want to and i like ryan and like ryan and ryan stuck listen uh 
and Schmidt, I will talk to them all the time. And it's not about selling a t-shirt or selling a ticket. It's about how are you doing as a human being? And I feel like with them, you can ask any one of the fans at Barry. It goes a long way. I mean, I have pictures of it's going up on Fan Friday next month that I have on my social media. It's uh, Charity. Remember Charity's Kids? Yeah. Charity's Kids, the last picture they took me in 2017, they're like this big. And now they're young adults. And they took pictures side by side and it blew my mind. And I was like, that's the type of like bonds I, I try to build with people. Those are the things that mean something. Absolutely. For sure. I, I think I, you're talking about, I mean, it's wrestling, but it's every walk of life. Anytime there's, I, I, you know, I don't know whether you would consider yourself a celebrity or not, but, you know, in the, in the circles, you've got fans, right? So anytime you're a person that, that has fans, the fans can meet you. Like how, they always say, never meet your heroes. Right, because if if you're if you're gonna meet your hero, like say your your hero was Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, uh, well, yep. you know you hear rumors that he's he's a dick and he, he doesn't talk to the fans. And now some some of the situations, obviously, there are times when you don't want your fans around you. But and and it, again, granted that you know he, he can't go anywhere, like an airport, a restaurant, he's probably mobbed. And I get that, but you also you also hear a lot of stories about a guy like uh, Kino Reeves. Who apparently is one of the most stand-up nicest guys in show business, um, who who will you know will give you the, the shirt off his back if he if it'll help you type of thing. So you, you hear about uh, about good uh, personalities and bad personalities throughout the uh, entertainment world, if you will. And um, I, I know we've had we've had a, I don't know why we've had so many wrestlers on the show, but we've, hmm, we've, because I find them awesome. <laughs> no, but, but you know, we, we have had We're a lot of wrestlers breed. on the show and, and it's, it's funny because some of them say, well, what we do isn't a sport. And I, and I would argue that, that it is because it's very physical. It's a sport in, in very much how, uh, whether like a gymnastics would be, it's a sport, right? Because you're physical, you have to be some semblance of fit, you know, like, I mean, could I go out and be a wrestler? I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm kind of chubby, you know, could, could I be a wrestler? Well, probably. Right. But I, I wouldn't have the fitness or the stamina to do a match. Right. So I would need to build that up, but um, it, it just becomes that you, you, you've got these heroes that you want to meet and you want to have these athletes that, that you're looking up to and that people pay to come and see, like you were talking about um, selling more tickets. And I thought, well, that's, from from a venue perspective, you're the wrestler they want in the ring because you were selling those tickets. Whether it's under false pretenses, like you said, you sort of fully yourself in the beginning, or I don't think that's the words you use, but you know, you, you were out there hustling and you thought, you know, I I'm bringing the people in. Well, and if you were, then that is that point of pride that that's what they want, right? A, a wrestler has to be larger than life and and seem a little big on the screen, like yeah, I did it, and that's okay from the wrestling point of view. But when you know, obviously, Brian has invited you here, so we know you're genuinely a nice guy because Brian hasn't invited anybody on the show that was going to not be a nice guy. Well, except for Thanks, maybe Brian. me, except for me, maybe. But um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just I love hearing you talk that you you connect with your fans and stuff, because for, for me, I mean, there's there's a few a few stars that I've interacted with on on social media and every now and again, one of them will throw you that, that bone and, you know, they reply to your tweet and, uh, you know, I've, I've, had a, I've, I've had, I've had a couple of celebrities reply to my tweets and I'm like, Hey, look at that, you know, um, or, or they share, I mean, Alice Cooper shared one of my pictures from one of his shows, which was like, Oh my God, <laughs> you know, being, so being on both yeah. sides of the coin. Yeah. Like I understand what it's like 
when you meet the celebrities and all that and like when they don't give you the time of day when i've had those bad experiences i'm like i never want to be that i don't care how tired i am where i'm at like i understand like if you're creepy and you come to my house you knock on my door and you're like let's get an autograph like yeah but like i go to shows now and it's stuff where it's like i went on a show chinlock wrestling over in where is it kingston this weekend and there was a couple kids that walked up and they didn't have any money and their parents like oh next time i have eight by tens laying around i don't mind eating you know a few bucks here and there to be able to take care of those kids because i remember like how much that means where people now are like i understand like if you're going to lose money and you really can't but it's like i try to give free stuff out to people i try to take pictures of everybody i say hey tag me and stuff i'll put you on that's why i do fan friday i do on every friday anybody who's bought merchandise or anybody who's taking a picture with me rather regardless of buying it or not you you take a picture with me you send me a picture you give me your name i will remember something about you i put you up and then you're the you're the featured fan of the fr- of Friday for everybody on social media to see is like, you're the person. And I write something, you know, a sentence or two, something nice about them that I remembered just to make them look like a million dollars because it goes a long way being a fan to be like, oh, you cared enough to put me up there. And I mean, it takes me, what, two seconds to do? And yeah. it means something to me, but it means something to them way more. Yeah. And I'm just a dude. Like I tell Brian all the time, I'm just a dude. I'm nobody special. Mm-hmm. I'm just a dude. I just chose to go in professional wrestle instead of be an engineer or go into sales. Like I'm just a dude. <laughs> and, and you find that like I did, I did security for uh, concerts and what for several years. And I, I, I met a lot, a lot of musicians, a lot of, uh, and you, you very, very quickly learned they're just people. We're right? just people. I think There's that's what we have to, us. we have yeah. to remember that though in, in life. Everybody has to remember that, that humans are humans. That's it. Every human is as nasty as the other. Every human could be as nice as the other. Um, mm-hmm. It's your choices that you make. So uh, what I find, though, is the the wrestling world has a lot of very genuine people, people that will step up and say, no, I don't think that's true. Or, you know, we'll call you on your shit if you're if you've got shit um because they can take care of themselves so what do they have to lose you know what i mean <laughs> nothing yeah. if you don't like what they have to say well fuck off who cares yep. right I mean, <laughs> and our word is our currency for the most part that's right that's right and if you're booked back at a place for a lot of consecutive times then that shows a lot about your character because if you're a dick and you cut out on jobs and you know you're you're not good to your promoter then you're not invited back i mean it was the fact of calling sean after six years and be like hey man is there an opportunity and he was like yep not even a question like I never made it big, but the thing was is that I did enough to build a genuine reputation with a lot of places that all I had to do is say, hey, I'm coming back. And then all of a sudden my schedule went and I'm booked on a very regular basis. I mean, a lot of people are struggling to get bookings and I'm like booked out for the next six months solid awesome. because all I had to do was call places and go, hey, I'm back. And they're like, we trust you. You're a good person. We'll put you in a good spot. Come good on to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. So, so- Go ahead, Mark. I was just I was just wondering. So after all of the um, the injuries and everything, and then you were you were out there promoting and, and uh, you know, uh, like I'm imagining house call that was a like a, a commentary piece. Um, so what it was, that was it was I needed to figure out something. And at the time, there was only like two or three people doing it. Kevin Owens is one of them, but there wasn't many. And all I did was that people want to see what goes on in real life. So okay. what did I do? I did a vlog of commentary of in the car driving. This is where I'm going. Then I would get highlights of my match. I mean, originally it started off with me just giving 
my thoughts on things that are funny and things that are amusing. Like the first house call I did, there was a match where this guy jumped off the top rope and was trying to jump through a table, but ended up or ended up doing something, but he put himself through a table instead of the other person and it looked kind of silly. So I took a video of it and I was like, I put the Benny Hill music on it and like had him fall through it. And it was like, Oh, this is ridiculous. And I just started doing that. And then the more I did it, what I would also do is that this is how I made a lot of friends is I would go up to somebody um, newer, generally someone newer that needed a little bit of a push for confidence. And I'd be like, Hey, who are you? Where'd you come from? Like 30 seconds to a minute. You're on the house call. Tell me something about you. You did a great job tonight in your match. Want to give your social medias? Put it on the bottom. It wasn't much, but it was enough to get people to be like, oh, and then people started wanting to be on it. I'd go over to fans. I'd talk to fans and tell them to give them my two cents. I would, you know, afterwards, I would show a little bit backstage that I could without giving away too much. I'd show us at the restaurants or driving in our cars on the way home, but it was a completely um, unfiltered version of us from start to finish from getting to the arena going through everything what we do afterwards how we go home meeting everybody putting new faces out there giving highlights of our matches where i'm going to be next it was just i made what i just made 72 i just made number 72 this week but it's like you can go in it's like 10 minutes and under and it's me just putting over talent and doing stuff behind the scenes but it was awesome i love doing it and that's what uh that's what I ended up doing to kind of keep busy. And then it turned into a thing that people wanted to be on. Yeah. Oh, that's cool though. So now what brought you back into wrestling? What, what, where was the decision to get back in the ring per se after, after the injuries and you're obviously recovered now? Yeah. What, why, what, what, and you, you alluded that, you know, you're younger than us, but you're old, older, older, yeah. older for a wrestler, but um, what what was that thought process like, and why did you do? Why did you make that switch back into the ring? Let's go back real quick because I didn't actually answer the original question for you, Brian. So I got hurt. I came back. I wrestled for a couple of years after I got hurt. It got to the point where I had so many nagging injuries I could barely walk. People didn't know this. I was hiding it, but I was like dragging my feet. I had a bunch of concussions. Like my body was riddled. I I was doing so much, and then I got out of it. It took me a couple of years to heal. Um, and we can probably get into this later, Brian, but I was in a relationship that just didn't work for me. I, we held on way too long and, uh, it kind of forcefully kept me away. And then when I was done with that, I kind of sat down and I was like, all right, do I want to make this jump? And the question for you, Mark, is that the re one of the biggest reasons I wanted to come back is that by the time when I left, because my last match was Tyson Dukes and Barry. That was the last match I had. Um, I, at the time, I have a bunch of nieces and nephews, and some of them were not born yet, and some of them were very, very small infants. And over the years, you know, I didn't bring it up to them much, but my family did, and they were like, have you seen this video? You know, Mark did the Uncle Mark did this. And so they started watching it, and they thought I was the biggest celebrity they've ever seen, but they've never seen me live. And I was yeah. like, I can't do that to them. I can't because like, that's going to be it until their generation has kids. My family's kind of done having kids. So I was like, okay. So I made a decision December that I was going to come back and I lost 45 pounds in a matter of a couple months and got back in the ring shape and hustled and went and got back in the ring and wrestled for half of them. The other half I'm wrestling this Wednesday for, and then in August. So 
they'll be seeing me, but it was one of those things where I wanted to do it for the kids because I wanted them to see it. Plus, as weird as this, I mean, it's something that I struggle with daily is that I feel at times that when I left, I abandoned a lot of the fans because I had such strong connections with them. I felt guilty. And there was a part of me, it's like, you still have something left in the tank. You got to go kill yourself for these people because they were there for you and they helped you. And I was like, okay. And then I kind of came back and then I missed a bunch of them. And then I'm like, all right, now I'm back in the groove of it. I'm feeling all right. My body's telling me I'm okay. I miss these people. I can't wait to see them. It makes my day. So I'm like, all right, let's get back on the road just for as long as I can and know that this could be the last match. So I just enjoy the days that I go out there and do what I got to do. You certainly seem like you're having a good time. And when I saw you come back, you definitely looked better than you did the last time I saw you, which which is right here. I was rough. There you go. I was so hurt at that point. You know, in hindsight, I look back on the photos and I can see it. I literally, I uh, so I ended up taking a crossbody from one of Santino's students. His name was Freedom Wallace, but he gave it to me low, and I caught him, and it blew out my lower back. So at the time, I had sciatic issues, disc issues, nerve issues. Both my elbows were healing from being chipped. So I have, they're, they're, I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of, but they're grown over the, the, the nerves and tendons. There's bone grown over it. I had concussions. I had uh, got broken fingers. <laughs> I mean, you name it. Like everything Sounds- was wrong with me, and I was just and I was doing it basically alone, where I was getting up and just trying to survive, and no one knew. I would just put on the smile face. I'd go around to shows. I'd be the same person I am right now, except in so much pain. I would go home, pass out, wake up, sleep like three to four hours, and then barely get out of bed, and I'd have to crawl, crawl to get to like the shower Jeez. and people had no idea because I would just hide it. I didn't, I didn't want anybody's help and I didn't want anybody to feel pity for me. Plus at that point too, I found out is that this year I uh, got a uh, CPAP machine. I've been living all those years, sleeping like three or four hours a night. Hmm. I was at 78% oxygen. So I was barely breathing. I was sleeping like six minutes an hour. Yeah. So for all those years doing all that stuff, I was getting maybe <clears throat> I, 45 geez. minutes to an hour of sleep. That's, Maybe. That is rough. I, I have, uh, they call it severely obstructive sleep apnea. I wake up every two minutes. And uh, yeah, what, and your first your first night with that machine, you feel like you've never slept. Like, I feel oh, amazing I now. I yeah. sleep, I can sleep yeah. more than four hours at a time. Yeah. I get so much more done. I'm so much happier. But like, I mean, now you know how that is. But imagine yeah. taking like basically a 20, 21 hour day and then having to try to sleep without a CPAP. Yeah. I don't know how I did it. I don't know how you, I didn't die. Can't. I, I made a bad decision once and I couldn't fit my CPAP machine in my bag for a carry-on and that's all I was taking for a flight. And I'm only I'm only gone for two nights. I'm just taking the carry-on. I'll forget it. I'll leave the machine. Worst decision because you don't sleep. You do, nope. And of course, nobody in the rooms around you sleep because I snored. Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. My, my wife loves it because I don't snore anymore. Yep. So she, she can, you know, she just has the, she calls it the wonderful light hiss of the, we call it the Minoc because it's like, you know, when Han Solo yep. was looking for the Minox on the. It does sound like that. I was, I always put yeah. it on because I was like, oh, it's my Vader mask because it's. Just- yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was disappointed though. I thought I'd have more dreams about scuba diving and I've had one, you know. But, yeah, that they're like, you're supposed right. to dream. I haven't, right. I haven't dreamt once, but I'm yeah. sleeping amazing. So yeah. I'll take right. it. I hear all and you don't want to, we won't even go there but yeah i sleep, I sleep through the night now but yeah. well, i'm glad you got that sorted out because that can come and it's my psa of the day if you think you might have sleep apnea or if somebody you're sleeping beside is waking up gasping 
get them tested because that yes. can cause a lot of health issues, cardiac implications and things like oh, that. Oh, so absolutely. Get I it have, done. It's changed my life. Yeah, and I've only have, had it for a couple of months. Yeah. I have no doubt that I made it to 51 and a half years old, almost 52 now, um, because I had that. I think I probably would have been gone by about 45 if I didn't have that machine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. I was going to make a joke earlier, Mark, when you were talking about how injured you were about how alike you and Sean probably are. Maybe Sean doesn't have quite as many injuries. Well, no, I, I was I was uh, a professional wrestler for that ten days of a of a Caribbean of a cruise, cruise. If you remember yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Thankfully, you didn't wrestle yeah. anybody as the garbage man. No, I didn't. I had a, there was a guy on a cruise. He was drunk the whole time, and like day two, he's like, "Hey, you're a wrestler," and I'm like, "No, man, I'm not. I'm not a wrestler." And the whole the whole every time he saw me, he's like, "I know you. You're a wrestler." And so finally, on like day eight, I'm like, "I'm like, all right, you got me. I, I'm retired." And he's like, "You were the you were the." What were, you, what were you called? I'm like, oh, it's the garbage man. And he's like, the garbage man is right. He's yeah, garbage man. And he goes, and your finishing move was, yeah, I pick him up and I throw him out of the ring. I'm taking out the trash. And, you know, and, and he's like, the, the guy is just, every time so he good. saw me after that, he's drunk. He's like, garbage man, take out the trash. And he, uh, and this right, is so, why I don't go on cruises. <laughs> I want to go on a cruise. Well, it was, it was, my, my, we, we'd, we'd be out, man, the, the guy become my, my, my wife and go, oh, no. Right, because I jump right into character, right? Oh, garbage man! Right, and, and the guy's like, and the guy's like, pick me up, pick me up. He's bigger than I am, and he's drunk. He's like, pick me up and take out the trash. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm retired. I think this is about the fifth time the garbage man story has come up. Yeah, on the podcast. It's, well, it's, that's probably the fifth time we've had a wrestler on. So, yeah, yeah, that's probably yeah. That's the garbage he's, man. He's yeah. like my brother. <laughs> we can arrange this. We can arrange. Let's this. do it. Let's do it this Let's Saturday. Let's do it. We'll have a we'll have the the amateur and. Uh, just promise don't don't mop the floor with me until at least halfway through the round. Well, no, that, you, that is one thing. You just bring me up on the top rope when you just throw me and I'll just land in the garbage can. It'll be good. Easy. <laughs> Mark will make it work. We'll make, we'll, get, we'll make it a dumpster, though, so I don't have to aim too hard. <laughs> you don't have to aim. All you got to do is push. I'll jump. I'll do the rest. <laughs> it is one thing, though, I got to give uh, the wrestling world credit for is they do not let untrained people oh, in the ring. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's... I would rather wrestle an imaginary bear, which I have done before. Then wrestle someone who's untrained. Exactly. Exactly. Who, who was the guy? It was the backyard wrestling, and they wrestled a rock. Oh, um, Cycle Mike. Yeah, Cycle Mike is amazing. He's yes. so good. I, I never did go find those on YouTube. I should. I should. Oh, you yeah, should. Backyard it's, Pro. That's all phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Um, okay, so you were gone for six years. Yep. One of those reasons was a relationship. Yep. How bad? can somebody's will over you be and how debilitating can that be when you you have these desires you want to do all these things and yet there's this and you know what you were i know the story we talked about this we don't need to get into the whole thing if you don't want to but i know that you were you were trying to do the right thing the entire time and i give you a lot of credit for that and finally you're able to get yourself out of a situation but briefly how bad was that for you mental health wise? And, and what did you do to finally bring yourself to a place where you can make the change? Um, let's paraphrase as much as we can. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I got out. I wanted to get back into wrestling. It was one of those situations where the conversation with us was when you get out, you're out. And I was like, well, I kind of want to go back in, but I, and then it was, no, it's, it's one or the other. And 
there was kids involved or a, a child involved and i grew up in a broken home where my parents were divorced so i made it my choice or my my choice is that if i get involved with someone with a child i stay because that's the choice you make you don't walk away from that so we stuck around too long and then it got to a point where there was a conversation with the child and then there was an understanding and then uh, but it got to a point where I'd say about a year, year and a half per, before everything ended, there was a an unfortunate night where choices almost were made that were permanent. And then I thought better of it and went in PSA here, went and decided to go get help and went to therapy and decided uh, to go get a bunch of therapy for a long time. And I still, to this to this day, regardless of my mental state, I go once a month for uh, maintenance. So regardless if it's good or bad, I go and I talk to them and I tell them either what's going good in life or what's going bad in life. And even when I have nothing that I feel is bad, I will go in and have a conversation for good. And I will talk through a lot of the situations that are going good. And then it makes me realize either A, yes, it's a good situation, but it triggers this that could potentially be improved upon because there's always something to improve or B, uh, if I have a good conversation, it'll make me feel positive towards the future because I have made such leaps and bounds. Because what I do now is that whenever I'm having a bad day, honestly, I know it sounds really weird and I try to give this to other people as well, is that I put myself in the position I was at. So like if I was having a bad day today, I would go back and think of where I was July 10th, 2022. And I go, what were you doing then? And if I've improved even just a little bit, then I've succeeded. A lot of people will go back and they'll go back 10 years and be like, well, I used to do this or I used to do this. And it's like, great, we also do stuff. But last year, what were you doing mm-hmm. versus this year? And a lot of times people will be able to say something positive like, oh, I got a promotion in my job or, you know, I have new friends or I'm down five pounds. Like most people aren't going to be like, I gained 50 pounds and I lost my leg and my job's terrible and my family decide like you're not going to, most people will not have everything go wrong in their life. They're going to be able to look at it and go, well, I, you know, this got better. Even if something got worse, most people, when you give them that situation will always find something positive that got better. And then people's mindset focus on that. Like a lot of people I've talked to that have horrible mindsets that need help. When I ask him that question, 99% of the time people go, well, I did this better. That's the first thing they say, not I did this worse or this happened worse or my life's in shambles. They go, well, this happened, even if 10 other things are bad. And it gets them out of at least somewhat of the funk. I know it sounds silly, but that's like the question I ask everybody first when they're having a bad day. 365 days ago. Mental trick to bring you back out of that funk. Helps me. I like it. Yeah. I like it. You okay there, Mark? Everything good? Yeah. The other Mark. I'm (laughs) out. It's good. Sorry. Um, Okay. So I'm glad you're back. And of course, the day you come back to Barry Wrestling, at least, was a pretty big day uh, because you joined a a very exclusive club, a very exclusive club of pretty awesome people who are the Barry Wrestling Hall of Famers, of which I am proud to say I was, I am one of, one of, I guess you could say I'm one of. Is yeah. that the right way to say it? Yes, I'm, I've got the plaque, so yes. Uh, Where's my plaque? I didn't you get didn't a get a plaque? You got a, you got a little trophy or something, didn't you? Oh, that trophy. So pull back the curtain a little bit. That trophy was last minute because it was supposed to be used for some chili cook-off. So he <laughs> gave me the chili cook-off trophy to use for the day. 
and then I gave it back to him. So I still don't have anything. And I think it's because I decided to come back and wrestle. I didn't get anything. So maybe you can talk to Sean. I would love to have something for my personal records for my future, but I don't have anything. I got a trophy I had to give back and then told, well, we're going to use you next month for a wrestling show. And that was the end of it. So I don't think I'm getting anything for my Hall of Fame. I think I'm just getting a thumbs up. I wanted but I would ring, love to have something, but... even just like a piece of paper that says like, good job. Like I'd love something because I have everything saved in boxes for my for when I'm done done. And I love looking back on that stuff. So if you can ask Sean, that'd absolutely. be Absolutely. I will absolutely talk to something. Sean. How dare something. he? The guy gets a trophy that is destroyed on Canada Day by Clay, by Clay, and he's tra- trashing it and breaking it, and he won't give you a a, a, a an eight by ten. Ugh, I gotta talk to him. <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad that you're in the Hall of Fame because um, there are very few people who uh, I remember. Sean asked the group, the the I guess the cronies, you could say the the Barry cronies. Um, hey, you guys, if if there's a Hall of Fame, who would be one of your picks? And I just house. And it was loved by everybody in the in the chat, and I knew it was going to happen. I was like, "Well, I appreciate that. That that means the world to me because it's one of those things that just kind of validates what I'm doing, the person I am. Because it's less about what my work is doing. Because I know that like you could be the best wrestler in the world, but if you're d bag, no one's going to want you in a Hall of Fame. True, true, and 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 that all goes part and parcel with the personality, right? So that's where your creativity comes from, and that's where I think we should start branching off to now. Sure, is the creativity side of what you do, uh, podcasting, social media, all of these things. How important is social media, and how do you use it uh, creatively? I mean, it's unfortunately, I mean, fortunate, unfortunate, depending on how you look at it. It is the lifeblood of everything now in 2023. I am more of a face-to-face, like texting. I would rather call you on the phone. I'd rather meet you first in the person. It's not like that nowadays, but like with social media, you have to be able to create a persona, but it's that fine line of creating the persona versus being a genuine person because you don't want to be taken advantage of by people because you're nice, but you also, you got to set those boundaries but also be able to set it with being a real person so it's Mm -hmm. really hard it's like with social media now like you know i have i feel like i have a decent presence i don't have a ton of followers like a lot of big names and whatnot but i'm pretty consistent in the 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 crowd and the demographic that i do have will are very consistent in terms of talking to me interacting with me engaging with me so i have a smaller group but a very active group i guess Plus, well, the sense, social yeah. media, too, is that I've learned that we are all creatures of habit, so it's all consistency. So, like, right now, I have literally something for every day, Monday through Friday, that I release at the same time every week. Like, Monday is my weekend Monday, so I put all the posters and whatnot of everything I'm doing for that weekend. Tuesday's Talk Tuesday, so it's all my promos for the week. Wednesday is Watch a Match Wednesday, which is my previous week's worth of wrestling matches. And then Worker Wednesday, I try to take... A wrestler that i'm friends with or someone i want to take pictures with which saturday we'll have to do brian um and then i just post a little blurb about them and give them a shout out on social media thursday is thrifty thursday for my merchandise and then i put house calls out and then friday is fan friday so i try and, to do something every day and you work full-time still uh yes i work full-time and then gym five days a week and how a second job i don't know i don't, I don't even know dude like i don't do all that stuff and i still feel like i i, I can't keep up and I, the social I, media stuff, we haven't posted an episode in 
months now. You know what it is? <laughs> so Facebook has a uh, business manager thing now that you can use. And what you can do is you can actually go on, click on the calendar, and preempt your entire month. So I'll go out and spend like two hours one random Sunday afternoon and post 90% of my content. And then when I get home on Sunday, I spend an hour and I upload my matches and then I edit my house calls and then I cut my promos and I post everything there. So by the time Monday comes around, I've spent an hour every Sunday posting everything out and then it's already done. So I don't have to do anything. It's already so, done throughout the week. It's just posting as you go. Yep. So I don't really post as I go. I mean, literally it's Instagram. So I just get a photo. I save a bunch of photos and I'm like, okay, this one here and just kind of release for how I'm feeling for the day. And just to kind of cheer everybody up with something stupid. And then, uh, but every Sunday I tend to post what I need to for the week, but usually it's like one or two things. And then the rest of the month is already filled in. So I spend maybe a total of like four hours, five hours a month, but I get 30 posts. And I get not not even probably more than that because I do sometimes three to four posts a day, so I'm doing like hundred plus posts a month on like five hours of work. It's just being efficient and being mm -hmm. disciplined. That's the hard thing is that there's motivation and discipline. And motivation, everybody's like, oh, I need to be motivated. All motivation is good for is about two days a year. Discipline is being able to do it when you don't want to do it. So I get yes. home and I'm like, I get home and I'm like, it's ten o'clock at night and I'm exhausted. I have to do this. Do it. And I just do it and I go to bed and it's done. Well, the most successful people in the world are the most disciplined. It absolutely makes sense. Yep. You get, yeah. get your shit done. I, yep. I get that. Like I, I shot that wedding a couple of weeks ago, and, and I did, even though I know it's my last wedding, I did what I always do. I got back to where we were staying. I loaded all the pictures to the computer. I had a shower while they were loading in and making their reviews, and then I edited like six or seven photos, and I emailed them to the bride. So the morning of, she like the morning after when she wakes up, she's got not everybody's iPhone picture. She has my professional photos in her inbox, even though that's my last wedding that I'm going to shoot. That was important to me that I continue to give her that same experience that every other bride I've shot has. Right. So that's what you thought. That's a discipline. Like I'm, I'm dog tired. I'm in pain. I just want to have a shower and fall into bed, but I'm like, Nope, I'm doing it. I'm, but the I'm, thing is that's what makes you successful because I really feel that, the people is most successful because the thing maybe i'll i'll hold on i get in in just a sec because i think i've talked to you about it a little bit brian and i know it probably sounds silly to a lot of people but some people it resonates with but having that discipline one it builds your brand and it makes you when you're consistent like that people are more willing to work with you because they know what they're going to get you're never you're not a wild card you know what you're going to get i will pay you more money or i will use you over somebody else mark because i know that you're going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to get at least some pictures by the end of the night. Like, no matter what, I'm getting this. Yeah. So I will pay you more money knowing I'm getting consistency than to pay somebody half the rate and not know what I'm getting. I'm not going to roll the dice. But, like, a, the thing is, too, is, like, especially with people's motivation and consistency is nowadays, I mean, I'm probably going to get a little backlash for it because some people might not agree, but the world is a very easy place i mean it's still difficult people struggle but the idea of for a lot of countries being able to survive somebody will find a way to take care of you if you ask somebody there's always something out there it's not like it was hundreds of years ago where like if you truly don't have a meal you got to go out and forage it kill it something or you just don't eat 
Like if you're sick, you're dead. Like that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so people have gotten so comfortable where, I mean, even now it's like you have DoorDash and you have people to clean your house and people to bring you food. You don't have to cook anymore. You don't have to clean. You don't do anything if you don't really want to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that the idea of a work ethic for a lot of people, not everybody, because there's a lot of people that still work hard, but there's a lot of people that don't have to, so they won't. And so discipline is one of those things that is slowly starting to fade away with certain groups of people because they don't have to and that's where i think a lot of it is like mark where you're talking about is having that consistency people really value that especially if you don't have the discipline and consistency you will look to somebody like that and go i want to use them because you know what you're going to get is something that you currently don't practice and it goes a long way yeah exactly right so just and again just because i'm not going to shoot weddings anymore doesn't mean that i'm not gonna you know try and uh, for another client, like I do a lot of work for local theater groups here. Um, I've actually just got my second theater group now that wants to use me for their their cast portraits and, and for some uh, shots during the event. So um, there, I mean, I, I don't get those are I do because I love the people that run the groups, but um, I don't I don't get paid for it. I do it for a love of the the craft and a love of the theater. I even buy I I, I don't take comp tickets. I buy the tickets to the theater right to to go see the play. So um that's but that's part of it now if i wanted to i could make that a side hustle where i'm doing portraits and and potentially charging but they know i'm going to get the service so even though those theater groups don't pay me for the pictures i get them their photos as fast as humanly possible because i you know even though it's a free service i i want them to have service like they've paid for it right so that's important to me and that's what builds that loyalty it goes a long way even buying tickets i i'm the same way I'll have people that'll be like, "Oh, give me this or give me this." I mean, I've asked Brian, and I've just stopped asking Brian. I've literally stopped asking him because there's gotten to the point where, in the past, I'm like, "How much do you want?" Well, oh. he would never, he would never ask for it. But I always yeah. offer. I was like, "How much do you want? Do you want a free T-shirt? Do you want this?" But I always try to give back to people regardless because, yeah. you know, Brian does a phenomenal job at what he does. He makes me look better than anybody else on the indies because of his work, and it's like you're going to make me money here yeah. please take something and he's refused it so many times yeah but a lot of workers are like oh sweet what can i get out of you and it's like yeah not even workers people yeah. in general are just like what's in it for me if it's not even for me well, it's so hard <laughs> to find people that just want to do something yeah for the sake of doing something and not have to be told or oh look at me i'm taking video of myself doing something please praise me it's like i do so many yeah. things that people don't know but i don't sit here and have to talk about it because i know for me that's what yeah. i do well, yeah, that's exactly. what you have to do. Yeah. Yep. But and, and that's that's it. I mean, Brian, you're always your worst critic. You're <clears> always <throat> your own worst critic, right? So mm-hmm. I know Brian. He's, I see him when you're talking about phenomenally make him look and everything. He makes you look, and he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I can see the look on his face. I know Brian. Um, but yep. I mean, I I am only the photographer. I am because of Brian. Um, he's he's Guys, the one stop, I took. Stop, stop. I took I took classes at, at college and whatnot, but. All of the tricks, all the technical shit that I know is because of Brian. I mean, I, yeah, I learned how to pose a, a portrait and stuff. Sorry, I had to mute Mark. He's talking too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's enough out of you, young man. <laughs> is it my turn, Mark? Should I start going? But the point is, is that I know you're always your own worst critic, right? So yep, always. And I, I do it with myself. I'm always critical of my pictures and things like that. And half the time I'll be rejecting pictures of my wife and she's the final pass through. She's like, no, 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 no. Put that one back. It's a good image. I'm like, yeah, but no, 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 no. It's a good image. It's a good memory. 
leave it in. I'm like, all right. It's a gift <laughs> and a curse because it makes us yeah. better every day. Yeah. Because if you're well, not satisfied, it sucks yeah. because you're you never feel like you've yeah. you've made it to the top, but you always get better and better because there's always yeah. something to learn. We're never perfect. Yeah. I find I find it funny though because I'm literally the least competitive person on the planet. Like my my DM will call me. He's like, oh, you know, uh, this store is doing better. You know, I'm like, oh, good for them. <laughs> you know, hey, wait, am I doing better than I did at this time last year? And he's like, yeah. So going back to your previous comment, where were you, July 10th, right? So is my is my business doing better July 10th, 2023 than it was 2022? And the answer is yes. Am I hitting Great. projections? Yeah, not quite, but we're doing better. I'll take it. Up is up, baby. That's yeah, it. That's what hurt so much about the COVID situation for me yeah. because for the first time in my life, I wasn't progressing. You know, I was regressing. Um, my pay was lower. I could do, I, I did less. I didn't do anything. Um, and it really wasn't until 2023 that I actually kicked back in again. You know, and a lot of it was because of these guys that I'm here in the podcast with, you know, giving me encouragement and all these praises that I don't listen to and I slough off. I hear it. I appreciate it. But at the same time, it's not about me, right? It's about, like Marcus, like House is saying, you know, it's about giving back and, and doing something for the right reasons. And that's why I like doing what I do. I didn't get paid until 2023. I've been doing it since 2007. So you want to lease a t-shirt on, on, you want at least one of these t-shirts on Saturday? <laughs> you at least want one of those? I bought one of your t-shirts. I have. I was going to wear it for the Hold thing, on. but I didn't want to be a that, for That Martin. is an awesome t-shirt, by the way. There we go. And the cool part is, is that the guy who made it actually put Mark up here in the the suits, nice. and the diamonds is actually the wrestling ring. Nice. Oh, nice. I know yes. there's small little details, but I love. I it. will take a shirt. I will take All an right. extra large. What's that? Extra large? Okay. Yes, yours, please. Uh, I'll, cool. it on I'll have one for you, you too. How much? How much you sell them for? I sell them for twenty, but the yeah. thing is, I always say twenty, and then it just really depends on the person. If someone's really struggling, then we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm not out to make money. I'm just out to make sure I'm not losing a ton. Gotcha. Yeah, I've I've got one of Brian's wife shot me one, and I, I wear it. People people are like, what? Because they don't get it, right? Yeah, that shirt. I so, love it. Yeah, this is my shooting shirt. The ones I sell have the wife shot me on the front. When I'm yeah. shooting, I put it on the back so that you'll see it yep. if I'm shooting. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, Brian, like you were saying with uh, COVID and all that, and giving back, like it's funny as it sounds. I I I spent that time during COVID trying to learn as much as possible. I learned a lot about investing. Learned a lot about life growth. Like I I did a lot of learning because I realized that I, that the world stood still. So this was a perfect opportunity because I worked from home for me to learn skills and to try to figure out how to get better. And that's where I kind of took it serious. Where I was like, figure out skills, do stuff, learn, become marketable. So I took it as a pause. But one of the things I kept hearing over and over again from all these super successful people was charity. And I was like, that's silly. Why would I give away anything that I made? This is silly. And it's funny because now 2023, the more I give away and the more I give people, the more the world comes back tenfold, which they say on all these podcasts and these videos and all that. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, this, this is, this is nonsense. This is just a way to sell a course or a way to get you to buy something. And it's true. Like you've given away probably so much of your time in terms of photography and uh, you know, it's come around full circle where you are the godfather of freaking photography in that area and i think that every single pro wrestler in that area would go to war for you would die on a fall on a sword for you because of what you've done for them over the years and you just like oh, i'm just taking pictures because that's just what i do and i love doing it but you don't realize that you have like an army of pro yeah. wrestlers it'd be like 
mess with him and you got a hundred of us. You got that's pretty with. cool. That's good because that's I've true, always been picked on and beat up when I was a kid, so I need that kind of protection. Exactly. <laughs> you got all of us. Like seriously, it was one of those things where like someone was messing you up, be like, I'll be there in four hours. Oh, and, dude, you're awesome. Thank just, you. Just keep it keep that in mind, Brian, if you ever move, right? You got a hundred pro wrestlers like packing your house and moving your shit. Be, no, you, probably, we, would probably, we would probably move you in a couple hours. And you know, you know, I, was gonna, I, I was gonna say 20 minutes, but a couple hours is and you know I, I would never know ask. How nice it would be, it'd probably be broken. <laughs> <laughs> all right Bri- brian carrying his camera bag and his computer <laughs> <laughs> yeah just let me take myself actually it's funny you're talking about that because when i uh i shot cornwall destiny wrestling in sea uh, seaway valley in cornwall and um i brought my computer with me i don't have a laptop so i had to pack up my computer and bring it with me because i wanted to get them photos by the next day i wanted to get them yeah. something right so yeah. Yeah, that work ethic you're talking about is important. And I, I'm finding it very difficult, though, especially considering you know how many shots I have to take in each match and turn the turnarounds becoming kind of tough. The Barry Wrestling Canada Day ones, and I was working on them all day today. I've still got like a whole day work to get through, so it's it's frustrating so, when I can't fulfill that. But it's one of those things too with us is like, at least the wrestlers, just pick your favorite one shot. Like as long as we get one good shot. Just as a wrestler's perspective, I can't, I can't pick a favorite. I'm the worst for that. So just pick one. Just it doesn't matter if you can just get us. If you can just get the workers one photo per match, right up front. Take all the time you need. Like it's one of those things where we would appreciate one good photo that we can use. Yeah. Then to have, like, you send me the picture here. Let me pull them up right now. I'm actually going to look or, at my or, or take the take the six right because that was something that when i did that wedding course with with your your uh day tripper brian mm-hmm. um that was something i think it was gabriel had said that that's what he does and and instead of trying to get like a hundred images out grab those six or a dozen yeah and do a couple of posts do three posts boom 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 and then it becomes like a game all i all that all the wrestlers would be like oh my god brian posted my it's my my picture Right, pretty much. I mean, it would right? work. And another yeah. thing too is, if you really wanted to like yeah. fulfill everybody's match, I will give you the just like how we structure a match. I will give you exactly what we're looking for. Two pictures, or a total. If you wanted to do this, it would be a total of let's say five pictures. Five pictures max, we would be happy with. And then eventually, if you just wanted to give us photos, even if they were unaltered, we would be happy with it. If you gave us five edited pictures and the rest of them are just raw shots we would Wouldn't be super happen. happy you'd never know, see but, my raw <laughs> but, but what i'm saying though so if you could get us because the things that, that go best for us and the things that we post the most that would get you over is an entrance picture for both of us or whatever they are so if there's two people in the ring you get me let's just say it's me and clay me versus clay or the stratos one me coming out stratos coming out one move for each of us. So you gave me with the Centon, you gave Stratos with a DDT and then whoever won the match, you get those five, you have yourself a complete match that makes everybody happy because one person gets three photos. The other one gets two based on what they are. And some, and I mean, you gave me the pictures with me and Rocco. One of them was enough. I'm going to turn around. I turned around and I'm going to put that in there and use it for all my promotional pictures. But there's a picture out there where it's like me and Rocco standing outside of the ring. Boom. I'm happy with that. Then there's one where I'm giving a senton. Boom. If those are the only because those are the only two I have. And then Stratos has him coming out, hitting hitting a DT and me getting three count. Those five mat pictures are more than enough in a twenty minute match, a fifty minute match, a two minute match. 
And if you can narrow it down and do five maximum Oof. per match, that would make it super easy, hopefully easier than what you're doing now. Yeah. And we would be happy. I guarantee you. If you asked everybody in the locker room, like, hey, I can't pump this out, but I can get you this, this, and this, I guarantee you 99% would be like, great. You get one of me being featured, one of me doing something cool, and one of me hopefully winning. Uh, I'm not going to have 28 terabytes of hard drives full of photos and only share five. <laughs> well, but I'm saying, like, short, short term. If you oh, I, I know what like, you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, just to get it out quick. I understand. But, and, and, and even qu quicker to get something out the night of. Do, do five photos, do seven photos. Not five, of the, yeah. Of, of the entire night. Yeah. Or every match, and then then you work on. The That's what I started doing more, more recently. Especially with Barry wrestling, you do yeah. five pictures like that, like the top five pictures, and you always do one with a fan, and then you let them vote on it, and then whoever wins the thing, maybe Sean goes out and gives like wrestler of the month for this because they had the best picture. It's something small, but it gives people engagement. It lets the wrestlers be able to post that stuff and push it, and then it gives the fans a reason to be able to fight for whoever they like or don't like. Like the one picture you took of me where I was shushing clay it was hilarious but people might like that because it was funny but there you go you got five photos mark that was a wonderful idea you get five photos you turn it around turn it into a game and let people have fun with it yeah. and then it gives you time to yeah. be able to take a deep breath and not feel like you're under the gun and then you can slowly release stuff but like i was saying you do those five photos per per wrestler and let's say you have a really good day six months from now and you you just do a photo dump and you're like here's barry here's this here's this and you're done and then you can take your time on it and no one's going to give you crap for it because like I said, you're not just some run of the mill. Yeah. I'm going to take crappy pictures. You know, you're getting quality work and I don't mind waiting five or six months to get quality pictures. If I'm going to get a couple up front, it, it all depends. I hear where yeah. you're coming from. And the okay, fact that we're having this conversation is perfect because this is the creativity side of it, right? We're mm -hmm. just being creative, coming up with interesting ideas to market ourselves yeah. and to get the brand going. I love that. That's exactly the point of these conversations. Um, but at the same time, I also look at all my photos, my two, 3,000 photos a night and think uh, there's stories being told here, right? And I can't post this one without these other photos that uh, that tell that story with it. This is the way my brain wires, right? Because there's the build-up move and then there's the look in the eye, like I'm going to do this. And then there's the doing it. And then there's the reaction to what was done. And, you know, that whole thing tells a story that I like. But there's so many different ways. And it's like you say, get them out first. And I love the idea of a you know five top five photo. I'll probably start implementing that right out like the, by the next day, and then um, then that'll give me time to get the photos done. However, if I'm being hired by a company like Destiny or whomever, um, they got to have photos as soon as possible. So I'm trying to get those albums complete. Well, that's so a different say, story. Well, if you're yeah. doing ones where you're doing you're you're creating charity for it, then you do your top five plus. You know what that's going to do. Because people know your quality of work, it's going to force the wrestlers to get better because they're going to start working your camera more if they want to be. I've noticed that's happening. Stuff. I've noticed. But you notice how already. I'm constantly walking over to you, like the whole thing with Stratos, where I was in the ropes. He found you, and I was like, "Go find Brian." Like literally, we're talking to the ring. I said, "Go find Brian," <laughs> and I sold. And I sold as soon as I took a move. I sold over to you, and I put my face right in your camera. Yeah. And then as soon as I realized your camera was there, he tried to pull away, and I was like, "Nope." <laughs> like, but that's things it makes the workers better because they need to be able to work the cameras both uh still photography and cameras and it it puts them in a position where they have to to get better to work towards tv so you're well, doing them actually a service well yeah by making them compete for it and it's great to see who actually has the level of interest to see that and who doesn't 
Yeah. Because there's a lot of wrestlers who don't give a crap. And then there's some who do. And even like referees that will say, you know, oh, Brian's right there. Let's not stand in his way. And then others are just doing their thing. You know, it's it's interesting to see that shift since I've started shooting more. But uh, Because people are more professional, like they're becoming more professional. They're being more conscious of that, especially in a day and age where online is more important than not. I'm not going to say that. Online is not more important than the actual fan. But in terms of the longevity of everything, sure. social media is becoming just as important, if not uh, a slight bit more important than what the fans see because you have to work. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I just uh, canceled my Netflix. Screw Netflix. They suck. I, I don't have it. Nope. Not, I'm done with them. And I'm spending that money on IWTV. And I'm yep. watching some matches from all over the place of wrestling events from all of the places I've shot at that I didn't even know. Uh, we're on there and then you know all this new stuff and i'm loving it man i'm loving watching the wrestling after i've shot yeah. an event because i've seen so much more and it's such night and a difference like i'll send you afterwards i have two my, like there's a grapple pro company out in buffalo that i work and it's it's literally just a warehouse that's a training facility and they tape it with really high-end cameras with like 10 students in the crowd like mm. they don't show them but they're there and it's like underground and i wrestled a match this guy named jeremiah richter and i work towards the cameras like I tried to do lately and it was a night and day difference in like one of their other matches where the kids haven't gotten to that level yet and they're just wrestling I'll send it to you I'll show you they're two six minute matches and you can see the difference of it of how much different someone looks as a star compared to someone who's not me being a star me being more seasoned versus someone who is newer and not knowing the difference right that's the difference like if you took the pictures versus them not working towards you it makes a huge difference in demeanor and how you're carried totally but i tell you what we are usually a one-hour show and we Sorry, are over. coming a little over there yeah so that's okay though that's okay um because it's good conversation but i do have a few questions i'd like to ask you before sure. we finish up the entire conversation before i do that though uh mark we've heard from you uh the other mark we've heard from you a little bit but sean You've been very quiet tonight. Yes, yeah, sorry. I'm just listening in. I, he's, I he's digesting all that sushi. <laughs> I still have I hope it was good, man. It looked phenomenal. It was yeah, fantastic. It did look good. From whatever I ate, I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm gonna regret it, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> Don't regret. Just feel great. Have you ever thought of uh, getting into pro wrestling, Sean? No, you know what? I I did. I there was a time long many many moons ago in a galaxy far far away where i was like i'm gonna be a professional skateboarder and now i'm just hanging all my broken shit leaving it somewhere in my office and all around the house but um i mean there was a time when i wanted to you know really push myself to to become one of those guys you see on a magazine but i mean you know, it's it's hard, man. Like, you know, I, I beat the piss out of myself like every fucking week for the last 21 years. And it's, you know, it takes a toll on you. But at the end of the day, I mean, like I'm doing my last like fucking big, huge video part where I'm just going to fucking put balls to the wall. I don't care if I break shit and they fall and, you know, fuck up my face, lose some teeth. I don't care. I'm just going to fucking put it out there. It's the last thing I'm doing. And then it's just like coasting. Like I go out, I have a leg day. That's basically it. So it's, it's taken a toll on me to the point where like now I understand, like I have a full-time job. I have rent to pay. I got a car to pay for, and I can't really do this shit anymore. That's <laughs> awesome. That was the first time actually I met Brian, believe it or not. <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
that was and, a good, that was a good day. I was fucked up though. <laughs> but you were so good. So if you if you had stuck to it, man, you absolutely. I mean, who knows, man? You you you're just having fun right now, and you're you're doing what you love to do, and you're busy with your car, and you're doing all kinds of things. Your life has shifted, but you still are this guy. You still did this stuff. It all, honestly, you know, the door's unlocked. How old are you? I'm uh, 29 in December. Trust, like literally the past six months, more has unlocked for me in the past six months than did for like 10, 12 years prior when I got in. So the second, and the only advice I can give you is the second that you stop worrying about becoming anything in the area that you love is the second that all the doors unlock. I'm not kidding. I'm like, oh, I'm out. I'm just going to wrestle for a little while longer and I'm out. And then all of a sudden within the past month and i'll talk to brian i'll talk to you guys about it after this but like after the within a month so many doors have unlocked where it's like maybe i can go for a couple more years maybe i'm gonna have to yes yeah i mean that's you never know i'm in that same boat now actually because like i just like like i've been posting on my my instagram right like it's just me dicking around with a bunch of my friends right like everybody has been telling me too like you like your whole dynamic from like you know, going so fucking hard every time you go out just to get some footage. Like to now, it's like you're just dicking around and having a good time. But like now that I'm fucking around, so many more people are like, "Let's go out. Let's do something. Let's let's find a spot. Let's go here. Let's go there." And I'm like, "I just do it for you, man. Just do it for you. <laughs> the less you do it for other people, and the more you do it for yourself, the more fun other people are gonna have because they're like, yeah. oh, he's being genuine with himself, and that's all people want. They just want to watch other people genuinely having a good time, not being a character." Exactly. That's like my free therapy, basically. I just go out and beat the shit out of myself, and then I just Wait. deal with the problems later. I'm just like, all right, we'll, we'll work it out. Credit card of life. We'll pay it later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can wait a little bit on that bill. It's okay. <laughs> we'll default on it when we die. We won't pay it back. It's fine. <laughs> At least you had fun. Hell yeah. 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 Mark, anything you want to say before we uh... – No, I just want to say thanks for being on. I mean, it's been a great show uh... – I think we've had a great conversation here, so it's lots of lots of fun. So thanks for being. Here. I appreciate it. I love this type of conversation. I'd love to do it again anytime you guys want. <laughs> we will ask you. We like having people on again. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's the questions for you, my friend. Fire question away. number one. Actually, uh, you know the answer. You know this question already. We ask our guests if they'd like to issue a challenge or something to our our viewers, and you were kind enough to to give me one. Did you do you remember what you issued? I don't. It's been so long. No I'm problem. Sorry. I have it right here. Uh, pick up the phone and call someone who had an issue with you or vice versa and either apologize or forgive. Yep. Do it. It was, that was one of those things where once I started going to therapy, I literally picked up the phone and I made amends with everybody I had wronged and it was rough, but I went through down the list and there was probably about 15, 20 phone calls of people that I really screwed over and shafted because i was uh, a dick and i called him up and i was like you don't have to like me but just know that you were not in the wrong and i apologize and a lot of them were people that i didn't talk to for a long time one of them was a guy that i talked to his name was chris and we didn't talk we were best of friends from like five until mid-20s maybe 24 and we hadn't talked for 13 14 years and it was just a stupid misunderstanding that uh he had an issue and i never really explained myself i just let him walk and then i was like screw him and after like 13 14 years i picked up the phone i was like the hell is your problem man i go here's the deal i'm sorry for whatever i did let's figure this out and then two days later he called me we talked it out and we now back to being best of friends so awesome 
just pick up the damn phone because there's a lot of people that there's a misunderstanding on stuff that you people you really want in your life that you just don't have anymore because of misunderstandings that's 99 percent of the problem yeah and as we get older we learn to communicate better that's for sure yeah yes, or at least some of us do and sometimes if you leave it too long you don't get the chance correct right. Right. So, you know. awesome okay great one so yeah don't forget that challenge to everybody um and then the first question that you don't know of unless you've watched our show before uh <laughs> all the way through to the very end which nobody does but that's okay. well now i'm gonna start because i really <laughs> like this format honestly all the way to the end man come on what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> okay so question number one um tool of the trade so a tool of the trade doesn't necessarily have to be a tool. It could be a concept, a, a belief, a philosophy, something that you fall back on every day that just helps you get through it. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not a tool for every day. It's more of like we already talked about the one with uh, looking back on a year. But one of the things that I like is sometimes you get a lot of people that get very upset with you and they will call you selfish and they will call you uh, conceited or narcissistic or this and this and this because people like to throw hate at each other. But I was actually, when I talked to my therapist, uh, do you know the actual definition of selfishness? Oh, I love this words. I love words. I'm looking at Are you going to look, are you really going to look it up? Yes. Google hopefully it's hopefully I don't look stupid. And the therapist told me in, incorrectly, but from what he told me, uh, I never really looked it up. I just took his word for it, but it made sense to me and it resonated. Go for it. What did what did that? What, was what they that told me is selfishness is is doing something with the intent of harm. Hmm. So yes. the idea is that when people call you selfish or when people will come because a lot of times selfish is like the number one. I'll point a finger at you and call you selfish because you're doing what you want to do in life. Like, mm -hmm. Sean, you want to go skate. But if someone's like, oh, you're not paying attention to me enough or you're not doing this, this, and this, you're being selfish. So then I have to ask myself the question, am I going out and skating with the intent of hurting you because I'm choosing to skate? No, then I'm not being selfish and that's a you problem. Figure it out. Man, where were so you once I like five to ten relationships, <laughs> I learned it through my last relationship. I honestly, it took me six years to figure it out, and it took me to thirty-six years old to figure it out. But like, if you look at life that way, because I have people in my life that are like, "Well, you're not around anymore, and you're not doing this, and you're going off and wrestling now, and you want to do this and do this and do this." And I look at them and I go, "I don't react," and I sit in my head and I go, "Am I?" making this choice with the intent of hurting them or like mm -hmm. in a relationship, your boys go and ask you to go out to the bar. Right. And your girlfriend is like, don't go out to the bar. It's rude and it's wrong. And then you're like, in your mind, you're like, I'm going out to the bar to have a drink with my friends. Nothing more. I'm not going out to meet anybody. I'm not going out to do anything inappropriate. I'm just having a conversation with my friends. Is that the intent of hurting your girlfriend? No. Then your girlfriend has to figure that out on her own because that's a her problem, not a you problem. And like that's something I look at a lot of times when people have beef with me or people have problems, which is, again, going back to if you can answer that question that you did it, but there was a part of you that could have come across as you're trying to hurt them because you were doing it selfishly, pick up the damn phone and call them and be like, yeah, I was being selfish. But other than that, that's a them problem. People got to figure that out. Also, oh, here's another one. One more. This is my biggest piece of advice that I got out of, out of life. The world changed for me, Brian. No joke. Is that everybody walks around like this. 
they have their finger pointed at the world and yeah. everybody else is the problem and everything is the problem of why they are at their life. The second that I went, mm, it's my choice. The people that I choose for relationships, my problem. The job I'm at, my problem. The reason I am where I am in my life, 100% my problem. I am the reason why I'm choosing these people. I'm choosing these situations. I'm choosing not to make choices. Sean, you're choosing to slow down in your skating and you're, and you're choosing to do what you want to do now. It's made your life easier. You're choosing the jobs you have. You're choosing to to do this casually. It's making your life better because you're owning your own shit. You're choosing to get microphones so you can start Planet Pointless again. Thank God. <laughs> there you go. But like, it's all about choices. And so when the when everybody sits here and you hear people complain about, oh, my life isn't where it wants to be. You know what I tell people all the time too with that? I, I could go on for days. I'm sorry, Brian. We could have a whole other hour long conversation with this. But like when I point the finger and people are like, well, I can't do it and I can't do this and I can't do that. And I go, you know why you're not where you are, where you want in life or why you don't have the relationship or why you're not doing the things you love. It's because you don't want to do it. You are, you are choosing to be in this horrible spot in your life because you are comfortable with it. And that's where you want to be. Cause the second that you're like, I don't want to be this anymore is the second that you'll actually change. But the people are so comfortable with being miserable that they'd rather be miserable because that's the choice they made because that's what they want. That's because they were in the pot as it was turned on and then it boiled slowly. But it's the choice that they, but, but realistically, once they but start to realize that it's yet. like, they're like, you're in this relationship because you want to be here. And you're like, no, I don't. And I'm like, if you didn't want it, you wouldn't be here. So right. clearly you want this choice. You're just unwilling to change. Yeah. It is a want, not a situational thing. And once people start realizing that like they have the choice, Oh my God. Then it opens your eyes and you're like, you don't want to leave this relationship. That's why you stay in this abusive relationship. You don't want this job. That's why you're staying with the job you have. Mm -hmm. Where has this man been? And why how why are we not friends for Sean, you? Yeah, honestly, get a hold of me. I, this is like literally so the next step, and I'll be honest, is that I've started looking into it. I don't know how silly it is, but I've looked into like the life coaching stuff of just being able to help people and talk to them. And I don't even want to charge for it. I just want to like talk to people and help them out because I went through a lot of stuff in my life and I made lots of poor choices, but every poor choice has been, you know, a learning experience. And I'm one of those people that I fail every day. When people run from the darkness, I turn into it and go, hell yeah. And I run right into it. Cause what do you get? <laughs> darkness. It's not that big a deal, <laughs> but I fail every day. I find something uncomfortable because then eventually nothing's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So Sean, if you want, you can get my stuff from Brian and you can talk to me anytime you want. If you want to set up video calls and we'll sit and chat, we can do this all the time because Hell yeah. what you're going through right now, I've lived it. I've lived it for the past 10, 15 years and I get it. I've gone through the highs, the lows, the very low lows and some very decent highs. And it's not all gloom and doom. It's just a matter of, it's, it's actually not gloom and doom at all. It's, it's perspective. just perspective. Yeah. That's it, man. All right. Well, I'm going to yeah. take you on that. That's good, that's good shit. Love <laughs> it, man. Love it. Okay. Awesome. Last question before yeah. we say goodnight. Sorry to keep you so long. I apologize. That's all, all good, right. Mark. Hey, the, so far the longest show that we've done is with a wrestler, and that was with uh, Brendan uh, Holden yeah. Albright. Oh, We're going to need to go soon, though, because I think my friend needs to go outside. It's going to get Yeah, and I know Shelly wants dinner. So anyway, last Hi, question. <laughs> last question. What's your jam? What song do you love, man? What song can you not skip past? Uh, five star every time you hear it. Uh, just that one song that your brain just goes, Bing! I love this song. I don't know. There's so many of them. Uh, so it's 
the one song that I always go back to when I because it reminds me of when I was a kid is uh, Crisscross Jump. I love Crisscross. Come on, Daddy uh, Mac will make you. Jump, I love that jump. song. I love, love it. I, I love that. Yep. So That's I used to uh, jam out to all the time. I used to listen to the tape because my dad That's had so the cassette funny. tape, and I would listen to it on loop. Dude, I used to work at Jean Machine, and we sold the crisscross jeans and clothing that went on backwards. Oh, well, I actually wore mine backwards when I was in, like, elementary school until I could not get the pants off quick enough, peed myself, (laughs) and had to flip the pants around and had the pee stain on my ass. And then that was the end of it. So then I went the shirt around the waist. We'll get you back on the show for the uh, the most embarrassing moment show. Yes. (laughs) But it was horrible. I was like, ah. And that was the day I stopped. But I still wanted to jump, jump. Oh, that's funny. All right, Mark. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for spending the night with us. Um, This will air at some time, and I'll make sure you get a copy for Tag me on it and so I can plug it because I'd love to have everybody listen. And when you plug it, where do you plug it to? I don't know. All the social medias, just at the Mark House. You can just put it wherever you want. But everything is at the Mark House. Fantastic. Thanks so much, man. And to the other Mark and to Sean, thank you both for being here. And to Aurora, who didn't make it this week. Uh, She's super busy doing all kinds of stuff. That's why she wasn't able to make it tonight. So uh, we love Aurora too. And uh, we wish you all a great week. We'll see you all next time. Uh, Before we do... Uh, Shell, do you want to say goodbye to Mark? (laughs) (laughs) That's all we get from Shelly. See everybody. Take care.